There's some suggestion on helping to um, bring, bring agility, free up the free up the mind, which can find itself submerged, kind of or driven on. So you've got a mind which just seems to be careening on and on and on, or sinking down, or obsessed, or caught up. And so the agility or the clarity of the mind is not not available. It gets overwhelmed. Mm. This is so. This is what why you know when we meditate, just sitting still doesn't necessarily mean meditating because it can be just an occasion where there's uninterrupted license for for the mind to obsess. Or careen around, there's nothing going to interfere with it. <laughs> uh, you know, so you can find a day, hour after hour, day after day, just bogged down in stuff. Mm. It does tend to lighten up by itself over a period of time, of course, as the energies start to shift and change. So that's, you know, those, you know, the bottom line of it is it, 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 if you don't deliberately encourage it, it tends to, to, dissolve and release itself. But just to remember that this mind is, is behind everything, the bod- bodily sensations, thoughts, moods, feelings. So this is chitta. Mm-hmm. So chitta is uh, the center of being affected where we recognize we've been touched moved by something, visual, tactile, auditory, so that we sometimes use the word heart, it may it may have a better uh, give a better sense of what jitta is. So you know every bodily sensation that you recognise, the very act of recognizing is a jitta experience. This is the mind that you purify, this is the mind that you develop, this is the mind that um, Attends, you know. so it's not the same as as the thought processes, which obviously affect the mind too. The thought processes is purely the the sense base of mano, which is another kind of word for mind. It gets confusing. So we think that the mind is just the think thought faculty. We're missing the point. You know, the mind is the heart faculty or the center of awareness. This means you can cultivate the mind through acknowledging sight, sound, touch, taste, as well as thought. And so this is a great blessing because you you don't have to to um, think in order to develop your mind. Uh, and you can actually first kind of development of mind really is to <coughs> is to know where the mind is, to know what we're talking about. This is effective sense. It's also um, so it has feeling, feeling of pleased, displeased, enjoying it, not enjoying it. It recognizes, it means you get a meaning. It goes, oh yeah, that's that. Uh-huh. Oh. You get perception. Association occurs perceptual process, you 
understand something, you get it, you feel this kind of flash of, oh right, that's, that's the mind. And the other is it, it's motivated, it has volition, it inclines, it moves, it runs, it, it runs away, it recoils, it's, a, it's that kind of quality. So it's something pleasant, you get this drive towards it, unpleasant, shrinking away from it. That's the mind. And so, this is so all when we're cultivating, it's really this is what we're, we're cultivating. Second thing is to, uh, to just know that's that. So whatever we touch or see, hear, the mind is there. It's not anywhere else. It means, in fact, that the cultivation of mind then becomes a universal uh, experience. The other um, second point is to recognize that in first thing you do in cultivating mind is not to um, focus on the thoughts but to attend to the energy of it the uh, power of it, the energy of it with the energy of it feels racing bristling or sinking so how we might say where the awareness feels um, compulsive, uh, pressurized, forceful, or where your awareness feels reluctant, withdrawing. Those are, those are energies. There's energy there. Mm. And so you recognize, obviously it shifts and changes, but uh, most people find that their, their energetic state swings between hyper restless, overcharged, and then slumps down into to undercharged, hypo-dullness, so you get these kind of oscillations between the two. We're attending to the energy, what you're trying to do is, is even it out, so it's not over or under, kind of get it somewhere in the middle, uh, and so, you, so that you recognize it, the energy is the important feature of the mind, because when you and then this, the third aspect is how to moderate the energy so it becomes middling, you know. And essentially, you can you have some say over it. You can lift it. You can cool it. Uh, then, if we can do this, then there's the possibility of of attending fully to something. You a lot of lot of vigor or relaxing, being more spacious and open, being patient. So and so forth. These are much more energetic experiences you work on. Um, so that's that's more useful than trying to to um, inculcate particular ideas or emotional states like be happy or um, be positive or be inspired or uh, stop thinking. You know. So so you know be interested, um, have a sense of concern and diligence. These are all good ideas, but you just can't do it from the top of the mind. You've got to do it from the, getting the energy there. When the energy isn't there, and, so, and you get this instruction to put more effort into it, you just think, oh, no. 
you know, or energy isn't there, one tends to feel reluctant and have no sense of urgency and so forth. So it's getting the energy right. Then when energy is right, the mind can hear. It can actually pick up the teachings. When the energy isn't there, the mind, it's very difficult for the mind to really take the teachings in as anything other than just verbal patter. It's just stuff bouncing off the top of the brain. When the mind is in its even, then you can you can take in the teachings, and it can distill the meaning, and then you you can uh, apply yourself. And then it's actually that's that's in a way that's the that's the easiest bit really, because I think we doesn't take long to get the fundamental understanding of uh, what we're trying to do uh, and yet one can very have very clearly have that understanding and yet not be able to do it because we don't understand the nature of mind or apply ourselves to the to the right place to get get the mind fit and able to do the work to do the practice mm. so often a degree uh, re- exercise is needed to to, and, and penetration is needed to get penetration into the into the mind itself, the citta, and then exercising it. We can exercise this through its application to any of the senses. Um, can be through the six senses: seeing, hearing, touching smelling, tasting and thinking and so um, normally you know we find seeing is useful uh, visual consciousness is very easy it's a dominant consciousness it's something we we use a lot of much more than tasting it's an active consciousness tasting is passive it just happens seeing you, you deliberately look at something so you, you, there's a lot more gearing, gears on the, the ta- on the seeing than there are on the, on the tasting. You can focus in fine, you can open up wide, um, so, so you can actually explore the effects in visual consciousness. Hearing is another useful one, and touching. When you get some skill with these, then it's, you're able to more fully explore thinking but you can also deliberately use thinking, um, explore that. So these are the four most useful um, sense bases to, to develop mind through. Simply speaking, thinking will be of two kinds. One is, is using mantra to deliberately slow down a thought process so that you, your thought process can't go into its normal patterns, you use a mantra that, so the mantra in a way governs the energy of the mind and slow, repeated, so it governs the proliferations the associative thoughts, so you don't keep going on about this and that and this and that and this and that it governs that and it also, you you can use it to slow the, the mind energy down so thinking very slowly and deliberately a word or even a small phrase, you know, Buddha, Saranangachami, 
Omane Padme Hum. So this small phrase with just a word, peace, buddho, and you can slow it down and, ex- and so that the minds, you know, the, the normal pace of the thinking process is, is, is jammed. And then you deliberately bring this other thought in there and then you listen to the effects of that thought. Not even necessarily to the literal meaning of the thought, but the effects of thinking deliberately and slowly, something that isn't a personal concern. It's not me nattering away about my life and how it shouldn't be and why I'm not like this and so forth. It's not me anymore, it's just the, the thinking process, the word. What's that? What's that feel like? So that which can receive it is is citta. That which deliberately aims in that way is citta. So the citta governs the thinking process. And then you also get feedback into it. Using a, a mantra can be useful when you can join it with breathing. So one out breath as you breathe out, you deliberately slowly think the word or the phrase over the whole extension of the out-breath. So then you deliberately connect thinking faculty with a, with a bodily experience. That helps to both slow the energy of the mind, moderate it, and also um, connect the thinking recognition faculty to a bodily process which normally we don't we don't do not in that deliberate way mm. tend to give the body a command and then go somewhere else like go for a walk body walks along and I can think something else uh, eat something make up the food stuff in your mouth and think something else to actually stay with a bodily process you, you've kind of spread the word over that whole exhalation or inhalation so in uh, Theravada uh, particularly in the Thai Theravada tradition they often use the word buddho over the out breath and the in breath so bud is the in breath and do is the out breath that really is slowing it right down mm. So you can you can do something like that, and as uh, you, you contemplate or notice the effects, you know what it brings up. Energetically, the effects, and then any other when it gets bored or restless or whatever. But you've got some way of of of. Um, being objective about those. The other way of using thinking is to is to uh, associate or just most recount very briefly what's happening. So when you're breathing out, just noticing using the word breathing out. So you don't keep saying that, but you just get that momentary flash of recognition. And for that moment, your attention goes to the out-breath and you try to hold it there. So then the 
the thought process is used rather like a tag or, or a uh, kind of a flash, flash of thought. And then you try to look beyond the thought into the bodily process. You don't have to keep the thought going for as long as you can sustain that awareness. And then when you lose it, you flash the other thought on it, which is you're breathing in. Where's the breath right now? And uh, so in that exercise. You only use the thought to, to, to flash onto the breath. So if you're thinking about food, uh, rock and roll or whatever it is, you don't think you don't have to think about it, you just notice that and then where, where's the breath now? And then like that. So you only deliberately flash the thought faculty onto the meditation object and just keep disengaging it from the from everything else. With the other senses, <clears throat> um, the ways you can exercise the mind through the other senses, you can do it with a thinking process too, but it's probably best to start with a the other senses is to uh, notice the ability to concentrate, to moderate the focus, to moderate the um, intensity of awareness. In that, so if we start with with the visual consciousness, um, and then you first of all you might begin by going to a very wide focus so you try to widen and soften your focus until the very the details of what you see become blurred you just have a very wide open focus, you're not looking at anything in particular you've just got your eyes open there's no particular aim it's just, just having the eyes open and whenever the gaze tries to pin on something then you let go of that you get used to being able to sustain a wide open focus and what that feels like it can feel peaceful it can be it can feel slightly um, unsteady at first it can feel spacious and open it might be something that, that you find difficult to sustain you go into an open state what happens when the when the, the gaze is very relaxed and open and then perhaps what happens is that the jitta then leaves that and goes into thinking because there's nothing happening in the visual sphere. So then you just steer it back to, to open-eyed gaze um, and notice the effects of that. Then determining to see a particular object, something that's fairly easy to see, a largish object, Buddha Rupa, looking this way, 
you just get the sense of the whole image notice the the deliberate intention to do that and then the holding a focus like that how that feels not even the quality of the image but just the quality of the focus so it's rather like you're examining your eyesight rather than the objects and then narrowing it down to a particular point like the Buddha's eye or a finger you get it very tight and feel what that feels like and you can moderate between those and then scrutinizing so you really want to see something very fine detail Um, and then between the object itself and then almost as if you're just just practicing with um, the visual faculty so if you're just testing your eyesight on something so you get a way of, of, of operating through the sense basis which, where the sense base is held very firmly but it's not rigid and you can moderate it dependent on what jitter effects it has so for example the wide open state might feel very peaceful uh, spacious or you might find yourself just numbing out with it the sharp focus might have a sense of vigor and clarity to it, but you find you find yourself too and too tight with it. So you just moderate. And you get you can see how you can move the energy and adapt and moderate the energy of chitta, because that's that's attention. You know? attention requires energy. So when you deliberately use attention, it shifts the energy of the chitta around and one would be much more um, profitable to spend one's time doing that exercise like that rather than just drifting and dreaming mm. so you might do that for a while and then okay let's you know just see what happens stop and review the process the effects on the chitta mm you get caught in, in uh, 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 daydreams and obsessive thoughts then remember that visual, visual focus is just it's only an eyelid's movement away <laughs> doesn't take much, you just open your eyes and use that and uh, you know you, it will be an advantage hearing faculty opening the hearing up as if you're almost listening to every flicker of silence, every flicker of sound and then focusing in on the the sound of the pigeons and the pauses in between their, their cooing Tactile is interesting because the touch consciousness is the is the only one in which um, it operates both ways. One touches something, and as soon as you touch something, then you're touched by it. So it's a very effective sense. It's the most intimate sense. You can look at something but not be seen. 
you can hear something and not be heard, but you can't touch something and not be touched. So it's, it's exquisitely sensitive and uh, there's a lot of resonance in it. Mm. Mostly we're not touching very much, just the, the floor, the ground, the pressure of one leg on the other. Um, but it's often a sense base that we miss out on. We don't, it's happening, but we don't bother with it. It's, uh, in meditation, it's one of the most useful ones, and mindfulness of breathing is fundamentally uh, a subtle form of touch. If you approach it as a touch experience rather than a visual experience, rather than watching your breath, um, touching it, being touched by it as, it as the sensations ripple through the body, then you, you find it, it becomes much more resonant and conducive to uh, rapture, piti, than if you're just looking at it. Mm. But tactile consciousness is something that often one needs to deliberately encourage. So when you're standing or sitting, coming to the to the pressure through the feet or through the through the down through the seat of the body, feeling how that is, and you might imagine you're getting heavier, for example, so that you're just putting more emphasis on the the pressure. Imagine you're getting heavier or sinking or rooting yourself into the ground and feel what that feels like, so you're in- intensifying it. You can um, contemplate the where there's very little pressure, or no pressure, above the head, or in front of the body, this is much subtler of course, contemplate the space there and the the effect of that and when you deliberately go to that you you can sense the body almost starts to reach out as if the the nerve endings explore the sense of lightness and spaciousness and absence of pressure you can feel the different qualities of, of pressure pressing on the body. It's called the air element. Walking meditation is uh, can be very useful for um, tactile standing, sense of the awakening all the cells in the feet, soles of the feet, as if you're like a a monkey or a gecko, one of those things that geckos that climb up walls, you know, and they've got these incredible feet that stick. Imagine your feet like that, so every every cell is asked to be present. So then you, you're flooding the feet, the mind is then the feet, so it doesn't have the, it's not buzzing around in the head, it's going down into the feet, you can feel the effect of that.
walking, uh, you know, normally when we walk around, we just tell the body to go somewhere and then go up into our heads and think or look at what we're doing, look around at the scenery. The body is just basically a, a vehicle to carry the thinking, um, seeing experience along in. When you walk, really try to walk with your body as if you're blind. How would it do it? So that you really have to feel out the steps as you go along. Check the eyes, so keep your eyes spacious and open. Downturn, the gaze downturn, and then feel your way along. as if it were night time, as if you're walking on a, a narrow plank, um, as if there's a sense of need to be aware of where you're going, as if you're walking around steady ground. Mm. And so you're asking the, the sensors, the bodily sensors to wake up. Not, it's actually not just the feet, it's also um, around the torso, the body. And if you check and walk more fully, just ask yourself how you walk, rather than just switch it on and go walking. How you walk, you notice you're standing still when you want to walk. That the origin of that movement starts around the back and the hips. It's not a foot thing, it's really a, has to start from the lower back and the hip is where it starts. So the body first of all inclines, it throws weight onto one leg, so you get the sense of the weight shifting. So one leg is then freed up and then the, the, the back and the pelvis turn that free leg forward. So walk, walk actually from your back. That's what starts it. Then the leg comes forward, depending on how much energy you put into it. And then it touches the ground. Then the weight shifts onto that leg. The other leg is freed up. The back and the, and the pelvis throw the other leg forward. As they throw it forward, uh, and if you, if you really go into walk, you notice that the shoulder actually comes back or tends to come back as a balance. You know, it's like a counterbalance. As your left leg goes forward, your shoulder dips back. To kind of counterbalance that, that push. Mm. So there's this kind of swing and a fluidity to it in which the whole body walks. Now when the whole body walks, then it's a much more homogenous, uh, holistic, uh, flowing, fluid, and intrinsically enjoyable experience. It's rather like swimming, actually. We, when you go swimming, often you're not swimming in order to get anywhere, you just enjoy the, the sensation of swimming, and kind of splashing along and feeling your body undulate through water. Very nice. So, why don't we why not walk like it? The simple answer is because, of course, normally you need to walk in order to get somewhere. But try to walk in order to feel 
the joy of the body synchronizing its movements and then you, so that has a nice effect on the mind makes the mind feel um, fluid and uh, it's enjoyable you do walking meditation just from some sense of I'm walking in order to meditate then the mind uh, it, you know, it doesn't have the same feeling to it we tend to do it in a rather stiff uh, way an, an artificial way the muscles tense up. Walking properly allows the whole muscular balance of the body to, to adjust itself, the muscles to relax, to flow. It's very good, gentle exercise. And uh, it's enjoyable. To so you, you go into the body, really fully into the whole, how the body moves along. Slow, steady, stop, turn round, so forth. The whole um, crux of body meditation, the whole rationale of it, is that if the body energy uh, is is moderated and the mind then the and the mind receives that it wants to be there so it settles the famous or should be famous quote in the, in the anguttara is anguttara nikaya is uh, when my body is relaxed there is no need to make the effort may my mind be happy it is a natural thing that my body is relaxed, my mind is happy. Uh, when my mind is happy, there is no need to make the, the intention made my mind concentrated. It is a natural thing that when one's mind is happy, it concentrates. Because why go anywhere else? This is good, this is fine. You know, you're going out. When you're swimming, you concentrate. You know, you're in there, you know. Your body, your mind doesn't go anywhere else. It's really with what it's doing. So that's that's the that's the rationale of body meditation is to is to to find a way to make the bodily experience something that you like to be with. That you pick up, it's resonant, it's enjoyable, it flows. It's not forced, it's not rigid, and then your mind then happily sits in that. That's what that happiness is, what we call samadhi concentration When you do walk in meditation, you uh, and go into the body, you find all kinds of interesting things you know, about how the energy runs down your fingers. You begin to discern the the subtle patterns of of energy flowing through the the physical form, and you begin to um, lose your attachment to the just the visual experience of the body as a body, you think when we see something, you think that's 
that's a body, that's that thing that I see with ears and so forth. You know, that, that's not a body, that's a visual experience. In which all kinds of notions and fantasies can occur. But the real thing is the body's experience of the body. <laughs> so, and once you go into that, you find that's a far more at home and satisfying um, place to be. And so you, you begin to lose your concerns or, or obsessions or difficulties around the visual. You go into the energetic experience of body. Because that, that also tells you when you're getting upset, when you're getting angry, when you're getting depressed, very quickly. You can feel the tightening, the hardening, the fluttering there. And then, then you can, right at its very beginning, that's where you can begin to, wait a minute, just really, just relax, just brighten. You can moderate it. So these, these um, emotional tightenings and flurries can be dispelled at their root. So a way of clearing, clearing the mind is through clearing the body.